Welcome to Beyond Infinity for 2023. First podcast off the rank for the year. And I thought I'd talk about drones because they've been used by all sorts of people in all sorts of applications around the world. They're used in in Ukraine by both sides uh, with devastating effects. They're used by real estate agents to give that aerial view of a house or a property that might be for sale. Uh, They're used by kids. They're used by families. They're used by people who are who are filming sporting events, you know, yachting over a over a bay, you know, filming the, the, the fleet as it heads towards the finishing line. Drones give you a perspective that's never been had before. It's that it's the bird's eye view on things. So all sorts of applications. Their price point is is from really cheap right the way up to really expensive. And their capabilities, whether it's um, it's military, as we talked about, as I mentioned, uh, Ukraine and other situations where they've been used very effectively. The industry that's grown up around the military use of, of uh, drones, whether it's making attack drones, whether it's making surveillance drones, which assist with military planning, or whether it's companies that actually are making countermeasures to deal with drones, to jam the radio frequencies that they use. Just recently, a company called Drone Shield, which is an Australian company, they work basically by jamming the drones that they're targeting. They've been uh, selling like hotcakes to uh, military clients around the world. And on January the 1st, 2023, at the inauguration of Brazilian President, uh, the new Brazilian President, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, police detected unidentified drones converging on the new head of state. Security forces were prepared. They have um, this this special, large, weird-looking gun made in Australia by a Sydney-based company and used very effectively to protect heads of state. That company's name is Drone Shield. You can Google and find more information about them. But they started off as a pretty, you know, humble origin, low-funded uh, business, and it's just grown because of the growth in the use of drones in the military context. But then. What's kind of more interesting to me, uh, really, is the great success of the Ingenuity helicopter on the surface of Mars at Jezero Crater. So the Perseverance rover is at Jezero and under its belly when it landed using that sky crane uh, delivery method to the surface, it carried a drone just a, a technology demonstrator didn't have really didn't have actually have scientific instruments as such it just had a black and white camera and a color camera on the base of it used them for navigation but took a few snaps which could be also used to guide the rover and it was expected that this might just make one or two flights early on in the mission but what's happened is they've now completed four successful flights and it's now being used in tandem with the rover to guide the rover to find the best routes to optimize the sample collections which the rover is doing and then it's caching those samples for later collection uh, you know down the track a future mission will bring those sample tubes back to earth for analysis and sophisticated laboratory and this is looking at the question of whether life might have existed microbial life or otherwise might have existed on mars in the distant past it's highly likely that a future mission even the ones that's actually envisaged to collect those samples and bring them back to earth they may use drones or helicopters that will help with the collection of the sample return 
tubes, these little canisters that have got the uh, Mars rock samples collected by Perseverance. They could actually be an integral part of, of uh, rounding up those tubes, bringing them back to the uh, sample return rocket, which takes off from the surface and uh, rendezvous with an orbiter and uh, takes those samples back to Earth. Lots and lots of applications. There's even a mission to Saturn's large moon Titan, very thick atmosphere, very cold place, but it's got liquid lakes, hydrocarbon lakes on the surface. It's envisaged that an unmanned aerial vehicle could uh, fly around and be a great way of exploring Titan, which was landed on by the Huygens lander, which piggybacked with the Cassini lander back in 2005 that Huygens parachuted down through the clouds and uh, revealed that uh, fascinating world, Titan, for the first time in, in detail because it's very hard to see through the clouds. The, the only images we have from orbit are using uh, radar. So to get down and uh, actually make a soft landing on the surface there was a, a huge achievement. They'd like to go back there and do more studies, as they would other places on, in the solar system. So drones could have a, a, a big impact in coming years. And short of actually sending people to some of these places, then drones can do a lot of work that humans could. And it's that advantage. You're not confined by wheels. You can hop from place to place. And you can work very well in tandem with a rover, and this seems to be what's been shown by their Perseverance mission. Jezero Crater on Mars is a delta. So it's a fan-shaped formation that was created about 3.5 billion years ago where a river ran into a lake. The rover landed near the delta, and is currently investigating sedimentary rocks so layering that's occurred over time as water has has uh, moved through the environment and bringing particles from upstream and depositing them in layers in the delta according to perseverance project scientist ken farley of caltech in pasadena california the delta with its diverse sedimentary rocks contrasts beautifully with the igneous rocks formed from crystallization of magma discovered on the crater floor, said Farley. This juxtaposition provides us with a rich understanding of the geologic history after the crater formed and a diverse sample suite. For example, we found a sandstone that carries grains and rock fragments created far from Jezero Crater and a mudstone that includes intriguing organic compounds. And the idea is that you can't take a laboratory with the sensitivity and sophistication of an Earth-based laboratory to Mars. And they've done a very good job with the Curiosity rover, which is at Gale Crater, elsewhere on the surface. It's been there for well over 10 years. It has got a miniature laboratory for analysing samples. It drills and, and brings on board, but you still can't get the sophistication you'd get if, if, with an Earth-based laboratory. So sample return is deemed a vital thing to do to answer this question, was there life on Mars in the past? So exciting times. Another example of the amazing benefits that go with miniaturization, but also with an autonomous vehicle like the Ingenuity helicopter, which uh, which has uh, enabled, has, has performed so much better than ever expected. It completed 40 flights, now it survived winter. It's a solar powered helicopter, that four foot wingspan or blade span for the helicopter blades on the top of the machine. It wasn't expected to survive winter, but did. 
and has just done so much more flying. In fact, it's the first example of powered flight from the surface of a planet beyond our own, of a helicopter or helicopter-like device or drone-like machine. I reckon we can be pretty safe to say that there will be future helicopters sent to Mars and they may well have instruments on board. They may be more functional, a lot more functional than Ingenuity helicopter, but they also will be integrated in mission designs. The Ingenuity unmanned aerial vehicle or helicopter, if you want to call it that, is useful at Jezero Crater because it allows scientists to access difficult to reach areas, get high resolution images, explore the atmosphere and test new technology, all while being cost effective and efficient. The rover can only go to so many places. A helicopter can fly up to a crag or down into a you know, something like the Vallis Marinaris, which is the largest canyon system in the solar system, goes for thousands and thousands of kilometers. It dwarfs the Grand Canyon in the United States. It would be something that if you could send a drone in there, I mean, not only would you have some of the most spectacular, amazing footage, again, that unique perspective that you get from, it's a bird's eye view. It's an aerial view, which um, is a perspective that we don't have. I mean, we're terrestrial creatures, humans, um, and our um, sort of normal perception of the world is based on what we see through our eyes and what we see um, you know, when we're uh, walking or moving around on the surface. So this this aerial view or this bird's view of a landscape or an area is a unique perspective and a very useful one from a scientific, from an from a information gathering standpoint, but also really just to inspire. I would love to see what a UAV would find flying through the Vallis Marineris Canyon system on Mars. I mean, it is vast. It stretches, you know, halfway around the equator. You know, if you're looking at it through a decent, a half-decent telescope, it's visible. It's a very, very prominent feature on the surface, thousands of kilometres deep. Uh, it has tributaries. It may well have um, areas where there's, you know, unexpected scientific areas, gold mines, which which reveal things we didn't expect about what Mars is like, how, how this canyon system formed. Was there any chance that life existed in the past? These are fundamental questions and obviously getting the samples back from, from uh, Perseverance will be a great step forward in, in, in knowing. Um, and also the cost of sending humans there. And I mean, people are saying, well, we're going to go to the moon, back to the moon. That makes kind of more sense in a way. It's closer to Earth. So it's much more accessible. There's water likely at the South Pole. You can, you can use that to make fuel. You can use that to, for drinking water. There's things to do on the moon which are kind of more useful and it's shaping up to be a space race, Mark II, with the Chinese in particular as a country that's um, got some serious designs on the moon. There's talk of pipelines, harvesting water from the South Pole and building a a pipeline to take it elsewhere, a network of pipelines even to, uh, to, to spread out colonies on the moon's surface. And all this is potentially a, a stepping stone to going to Mars, to a manned presence on the red planet, something that Elon Musk is aiming for, making humanity and a species that is beyond the bounds of Earth, and then going further than that. Maybe that's that's a, that's something that will happen. But in the meantime, and for I would imagine for really for quite a while, um, unmanned aerial vehicles combined with rovers are the way to go. Robotic exploration, much cheaper, much safer, much simpler, there are some constraints, but with developments in AI and with 
miniaturization with the uh, growing sophistication of our ability to project our consciousness through robots it will be the way that we find out a lot about mars and will at the very least lay a very strong foundation for human settlement of the red planet so ingenuity is the first aircraft to, to ever fly in the thin martian atmosphere it was intended as a technology demonstrator for future aerial vehicles on Mars. And you think about the way that the rover technology developed. So we had fixed landers first, the Viking landers. Then we had the Mars Pathfinder in the late 90s. Successful mission demonstrated a rover was useful. And then we had Mars Exploration rovers, which were very, very successful. Solar-powered rovers launched in the early 2000s. Opportunity lasted for 14 years, I think, before eventually the solar panels were uh, inoperable, uh, unable to charge batteries, and so it died. Uh, but uh, it lasted so much longer than the three months originally expected, and it, and it did great science. It showed the benefits of a rover. Next two rovers, uh, Curiosity and Perseverance, um, same delivery method, uh, the Skycrane delivery method, nuclear-powered, so no problems with handling dust storms or solar panels that, that uh, become inefficient and ineffective at generating power. Then the next step is to develop drones or UAVs to operate on Mars. Just as that first um, Pathfinder uh, rover laid the, uh, the groundwork for four very successful rover missions, Spirit, Opportunity, Curiosity and Perseverance, now Ingenuity is going to lay the groundwork for the next phase of further detailed exploration of this enormous place, Mars, because in surface area, Mars is about the same as the surface area of Earth. It's just lacks ocean. Two-thirds or more of the surface of Earth is covered in, in water. So if you just take the, uh, the land area of the Earth, it's, it's roughly equivalent to the land area of Mars. So an enormous area to explore and uh, make discoveries. Drones make it easy. They expand the search and they expand the ability to uh, get to uh, difficult terrain and explore it in detail. And AI is a huge part of this because AI allows these robots to act autonomously, to respond to the environment, to make decisions. They already use software and a certain amount of um, onboard um, smarts that they've, they've uh, loaded in, in software to navigate so that the rovers can drive on their own. They can decide what the best path is forward. They can assess opportunities that arise along the way and they can sort of prioritise science that they want to do and they can navigate beautifully increasingly effectively and safely without too much human involvement so ai is going to be a big one for guiding drones in future or uavs in future let me just read you something this is generated by the uh, the open ai chat bot and you can check this out for yourself chat.openai.com just illustrates this and we are going to talk a bit more about chatbots and, and where ai artificial intelligence is taking us because it, it certainly has been progressing in leaps and bounds and really now we're entering a new historical era where ai can do a lot of things including write very compelling text and even create web pages without without the need for human involvement very useful effective web pages and even write software code. That combined with advances in quantum computing, we're on the threshold of yet another huge paradigm shift, if you like, in the way that AI affects our lives and, and what we can do with technology. So this is what the chatbot OpenAI came up with. I wrote in the questions, uh, drones are a game changer in military context and on Mars. 
And the answer was drones, also known as UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles, have certainly proven to be a game changer in both military and space exploration contexts. In military operations, drones have been used for surveillance, reconnaissance and targeted strikes, greatly reducing the risk for hu to human pilots and allowing for more precise operations. In space exploration, drones have the potential to revolutionise our understanding of other planets, especially Mars. One of the most significant ways that drones could change our exploration of Mars is through aerial reconnaissance and mapping. The ability to fly over the Martian terrain would allow scientists to study and map the planet in ways that have never been possible before. This could include taking high-resolution images, gathering data on atmospheric conditions, and even exploring areas that are currently inaccessible to rovers and other ground vehicles. Another way that drones could be used on Mars is for sample collection. Drones could be equipped with tools to collect soil and rock samples and then return them to a central location for analysis. This would allow scientists to access a much wider range of samples and could greatly expand our understanding of the planet's geology and potential for supporting life. In conclusion, the use of drones on Mars, whether they are helicopter or fixed wing, could be a game changer in how we explore and understand the planet. It could provide new ways of data collection and access to areas that were previously difficult to reach and could greatly expand our understanding of Mars. That's what the AI come up with and that's encapsulated what it's taken me about 15 minutes to encapsulate. So uh, again, AI a fantastic tool. I'm not sure where you're left with copyright. If you broadcast something that's been generated by AI, there's a, there's a little conundrum for the 21st century. So that's about it for now from me. I hope you enjoyed this little uh, rumination on UAVs, drones, unmanned helicopters, what do you want to call them? Quadcopters, they come in different shapes and sizes. They have all different applications for space exploration, military uses, surveillance, and even recreational and um, sporting uses. You know, great, unique perspective on the world. But as with any technology, there's a darker side to it. Not all the applications are wholesome or to everyone's liking. So I think that needs to be borne in mind by regulators and by individuals as well. It's always fun to do these podcasts. I will be back soon with more on AI. This is something that I'm pretty intrigued with. There are image generating tools now, engines which you can you know, put in a weird description and you'll punch out a, a very amazing visual rendition of your words. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, and, and then understanding why the AI has done what it's done is, is also really interesting as well. I think it's a, it's a big subject. We have talked a bit about it on the past. You'll find other podcasts on the program website, beyondinfinity.com.au. If you do a search for artificial intelligence, you'll find a bunch of stuff that we've done over the years. Now, I think we're at a slightly different stage with it. It's a more mature technology. It's really about people now understanding what's available, what is now at their fingertips through the application and applications of artificial intelligence.